0: Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at SalemFields.com slash podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Um, You know, it's easy for us to stereotype people, isn't it? We look at somebody that has different characteristics or has differences uh, that are a little different than us. And then we kind of categorize them according to our own prejudices and our own biases. And uh, men do that to women, women do that to men. Uh, We do it to pastors, we do it to rednecks, right? We do it to different races and different races, do do it to different religions. And and we all just tend to look at others and kind of fit them into our own labels. But uh, it's easy to stereotype. You know, somebody came to me last night and said, I stereotyped that guy on the end as the devil. (laughs) I mean, we do that, don't we? We just kind of get a picture. We look at people and we draw these conclusions and then we think that's who they really are. And, um, you know, when we do that, we miss out on the unique beauty of who that person really is, because everybody is an individual. It's just on the outside, we express that in a way, and then we all kind of judge one another. Well, this, this uh, series, I've become really aware that that's what our culture, that's what our world, that's what even people in the church tend to do with Jesus. We're in a series called, Yes. yes. And we've been focusing, kind of stripping it down and saying, this is Jesus. And we're listening not to what everybody else says, but we're listening to what Jesus said about who he was. And we've been looking in the book of John to the I am's. And we've been listening to who he says he is. And we've learned that he's the resurrection And many of you have opened your heart and opened the door of your heart and opened your minds that Jesus is resurrection. And you're finding new life in him. He's living in you. His presence is there. You're beginning to learn to know him better. We found that Jesus is light. And many of you have opened the door of your heart to light, to the light of Jesus. And he's helping you find your way out of the darkness. And many of you know that he's your way. And Jason talked to us about just keeping our eyes on Jesus and not there, out there, because most of us are saying, where do I need to be in five years or what do I need to do in two years? And, and Jesus says, just keep your eyes on me and I will take you on the way. And so we have to listen to Jesus and we have to strip away all of the stereotypes that we might have to have of who that we have of who he is. And today we're going to listen to him one more time. Tell us who he is. That's why I have my friend here. He said, Jesus said, I am the true vine, the true vine. Let's pray together. Jesus, I just pray right now that your spirit would penetrate our hearts, that your spirit would be so very real here that we could cut through and shatter any stereotype that we might have of you so that we can know you truly for who you are. Thank you for your presence here right now, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So let's begin with Jesus himself and his words. Here's what he says. He says, I am the true line, and my father is the keeper of the vineyard. Now, when Jesus spoke to people in those days, he would speak to people in ideas and with pictures, and he would speak in, uh, in ways that they could understand, things that they could relate to. And he was speaking to the people at this time, he, and uh, he, was, he was talking in the context of their religious heritage ...as a Jewish nation. Now in the Old Testament... ...and they had the Old Testament for them... ...this is when Jesus was walking the earth... ...and in the Old Testament... ...the vine was the symbol of Israel... ...the nation of Israel. Hang on to that. And uh, the emblem of the vine... ...was on the coins. They had the vine inscribed... uh, ...as you walked in the temple. It's like if you walked in here today... ...you would see a vine. And that was the symbol of the nation of israel but now jesus is coming along and he's saying i am the true vine and what he was doing what he he was he was painting this picture the old the old testament prophets had been painting this picture that israel had gone wild it's like they were going downhill they had been in relationship with God, but they were... If you know anything about vines, they can grow wild. Have you ever gone out into the woods and swing on a vine? And They grow wild. They grow fast and furious, and they grow out of control. And the Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah, they were saying Israel is out of control. It's going downhill. And most of the time when they talked about the vine in the Old Testament, it was the fact that it was going downhill. So Jesus comes along, and he's walking the earth, and he's been in his ministry for about three years. And he says, I am the vine. Now what he he knew was that the people had come to believe that just because... They were part of the Jewish nation that they were okay with God. And Jesus was saying, that's not necessarily true. And to us, he would say today, just because you call yourself a Christian does not mean that you're in right relationship with God. You know, we'll go to uh, Nigeria and... Everybody there calls themselves a Christian because they're not a Muslim. So we we call ourselves, yeah, we've come here today and we would say, you ask a lot of people in America and they say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But Jesus is saying here, just because you call yourself part of the Jewish nation, just because you call yourself a Christian does not mean that you're in right relationship. That doesn't save you. And Jesus was saying the only thing that can save you is being in an intimate relationship with me because I am the true vine and you and I well we're the branches. So Jesus challenges this common belief that that so many of us carry that somehow if we're just a good person Because, you know, most of my life, I mean, there was this eight-year period of my life when I was in college, and I went wild, like a wild vine. But most of my life, I was a good kid. And, you know, from the time I came back to the Lord, I've been a good person. You know, sure, yeah, I mess up, but, you know, I try to be a good person. And Jesus was saying, just because you're a good person, or that you do these really good things, like work in the church and do good things, or that you come to church, or you go to church, and or, or that you work real hard to have stellar behavior. You say, I try real hard not to do that. I don't, I'm trying not to cuss, and I'm trying to be a better person. He was saying, just because we attach all those external things to kind of looking Christian, that doesn't join us to God. It's a powerful message that Jesus is saying here. And he says that only him only placing our faith in Him and only developing a friendship with Him, like a branch that's embedded into the the vine that's coming out of the ground, intimately connected to Him is what the abundant life, is what the kingdom life, is what He came and walked the earth. That's what it's all about. The abundant life is about an intimate relationship with him, And he went on to say this. He said, my father comes. He's the keeper of the vineyard. And he said, my father comes and he examines the vine. And he examines the branches. And these are Jesus' words. He says, my father examines every branch in me. And he cuts away those who do not bear fruit. He leaves those bearing fruit and carefully prunes them so that they'll bear more fruit. He says, already you're clean. He was saying, you're already a a branch that's in that vine because you've heard my voice. But he says, then I examine the branch. You're in me, and then I examine it to see where you're at. Jesus was talking to his followers who'd been with him for three years, and they'd walked with him and talked with him, and they sat at his feet and learned from him, and this was kind of at the end of his ministry, and they could kind of tell that change was coming. You know how you can just kind of sense that something's changing, and something just might be uprooted, and and they were sensing that. And Jesus really was preparing them for when he would go away so that they could live this life and they would know how to live this life. So he's giving them this picture and he creates this picture. He paints this picture for them and for us of this vine, him. And he was saying that anybody that chose to follow him has this promise. He would say in his ministry all the time, he'd say, I promise you that you can have a healthy, whole, abundant life. That you can be restored from anything. I can make beautiful things out of who you are. I don't care what you've done in your life. I don't care where you've been or how much trouble you've seen. I can restore you. And that can be an abundant life. And that's kind of like this labyrinth of vines and branches, strong branches steeped in rich soil. The rich soil and the vine coming out of the soil and the branches coming out of the vine and these grapes, these lush grapes. Have you ever been to a vineyard? Have you ever... Uh, Buddy was just at one last night, he married a couple there, and we love to visit vineyards because they're just so beautiful. I mean, if you want to get back to nature and and, and sense the presence of Jesus, walk through a vineyard sometime and look at the grapes hanging on on the uh, branches, it's just lush and it's beautiful. And Jesus said, I want you, my followers, to have that kind of life. If you've ever gone to a vineyard, it's, it's just beautiful. And Jesus, when Jesus was drawing this picture of the vineyard, he really knew what he was talking about because he was in Palestine and, and the people in Palestine knew what vines were. They grew everywhere. They grew all, and they still do today. And vines even grow all over Virginia. You know, they're in the woods. I said how they're wild. You can go places and swing on those. And there are vineyards everywhere. Anybody have any idea how many vineyards are in Virginia? Take a guess. Nobody has ever guessed. Fifty thousand. Great guess. <laughs> 50, oh yeah, nice. Two hundred and forty-nine. It doesn't. Somebody last night said ten or, or uh, hundred. And I and when I said two hundred forty-nine, it sounded huge. But with fifty thousand, it sounds like, <laughs> wow. Well, there's a, only a couple here. but they're not far away there are some uh here and just walk on a vineyard it's just a beautiful place well jesus knew what he was talking about he knew that vines were plants that needed lots of attention now kind of open your mind and twist it around and allow all of this to kind of play together he knew that vines which was jesus needs a lot of attention and he knew that you needed careful preparation of the soil See, God kind of represents the soil. And the soil has to be completely clean. They've got to prepare that soil and make it perfectly clean in order to plant those vines. And they know that they can run wild, fast, and furious. And so they plant them 12 feet apart. So they have plenty of space. And it's interesting that a vine, a, a, a branch, won't produce fruit for three years. I mean, they plant it and they work it and work it and work it and they have to cut it back and prune it. It's a lot of work. They don't even get any fruit off of it for three whole years. And they, t- they just take a lot of attention and they have to be drastically cut back to thrive so that the rest of the plant will have energy and life. But here's the thing that he says to his followers, and this is what I love about Jesus. He loves us so much that he's going to tell us the whole truth. He's not just going to say, okay, I want you to have this. He's also going to say, here's how you'll receive it. And so in this promise, there's a warning. And it's a warning for every single one of us who say, I want to follow Jesus. We need to know this part. And he said that, he said that the vine bears two kinds of branches. One produces fruit, You can see over here, you can see this lush fruit hanging on this branch. The vine's coming up, the branch is there, there's lush fruit. And he said, one produces fruit, but in order to produce the very best grapes, the very best fruit, the fruit of the vine, it has to be drastically pruned and cut back. Now, here's a little side note to that. Do you ever wonder why you have difficulty in your life? We usually blame it on somebody or something else. But if we would look at it in God's way, it could be that he's just trying to produce some lush fruit in your life. And we tend to pray the tough things away, don't we? We tend to put it on someone else and say, if it wasn't for them, this wouldn't be happening. But really, if we look at it God's way, maybe he's just pruning us and there's something in us that he wants us to see so that we can clean that soil and we can have a strong branch hooked into a vine so that we can grow and we can produce fruit. Pay attention to that when that happens. Because the world's way is to blame it on other people or to blame it on situations or circumstances or something external when really he may be loving you and caring for you as a branch hooked to the vine so that you can produce fruit. Then he said there's a second kind of vine, uh, uh, branch, and he said it's, it's useless. And it's the one that you can see It becomes disconnected from the vine. That branch begins to wither and die. And you know, in Israel, they would have uh, burnt offerings. And uh, they didn't even allow them to bring the wood from a branch that was cut off from a vine because it was useless. All it was good for was just to burn up and turn into smoke. They didn't even allow them to use that. So it becomes useless cut off and thrown away, so it won't drain the rest of the plant. And he explained, this is important for us, he explained that there are three kinds of useless branches. First of all, for those who refuse to listen and accept Jesus. Now I know that when Jesus walked the earth, he would stop and he would preach and he would speak to the people And I know that there were people listening in the back. And they'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd turn around and walk away. It happens all the time. Jesus was still speaking to us. That's the first useless branch. The second one is those who listen and they say and they call themselves believers. But it's really only lip service. That person is really not walking their talk and and it's unsupported by any kind of life change. In other words, that person can't say I was whatever and God came into my life and now today I can tell you this for me, I was I I traced it back to 15 years old when my father's died and I, my father died and I repressed a lot of anger and I always expressed my hurt in anger. And it's just been in the last 5 years that God revealed that to me, and I was an angry person when I was hurt. I would express my hurt in anger. And when he revealed that to me and I handed that over to him, it's amazing what he's done in my life. I was angry, and now I'm not because he did something in me. He revealed something in me. That's life change. My life has changed. So so there's a believer that walks around and says, yeah, yeah, I believe this, but it's unsupported by any life change. You're not really able to say, I was this, and then I received Christ in my life, and now I am blown away because I could not have done that without him. So that's the second kind. The the walk doesn't, doesn't match the talk. And then there's the third kind, that hear the message and accept it, But then tough times come. Have you ever been there where something happens and you begin to shake your fist at God and you say, what, what's up with this? And he's saying the third useless branch is the person that has accepted, but then tough times come or something looks really good to me. There's some kind of carrot. And I say, I really want to do what I want to do. And we kind of walk toward that. And i got to tell you, when I was preparing this message, I'm blown away how God does this for me. I experienced this, that third one, because I'm a believer. And uh, I got a phone call, and grandson number one went missing for two hours. And it was so unusual, and it was in the middle of Richmond. Last night I said my grandson and everybody thought it was Jackson and Christian said you better not say that because it looks like bad parenting. So put it on me. It was Christian. He was in Richmond and he went missing for two hours. They had a swim meet and his parents were at the swim meet and he was supposed to return and he didn't return. And they checked with the person that he was with and he should have been there 18 minutes later and now it was an hour longer. And Jody called and she said I don't know what to do and I and what can you do and and buddy was at a wedding rehearsal and and uh man i hit my knees and all of these for all of us all of these thoughts went through our head and said you know jody of course immediately jumped to is he dead and uh i'm there going god protect him with your angels and surround him wherever he is right now and she said I'll call you back in 20 minutes if I hear anything from him and 20 minutes came and no call and I'm holding my phone and I'm waiting moment by moment and second by second ticked away because the longer that it went the more we knew something was really really wrong when you're in the middle of a situation like that It's easy to say, God, you can do something. You can make this work out. But a lot of times, it does not work out the way that you want it to work out. And in those moments, see, I get this. I get how easy it is. To get mad at God and get angry at God and turn from him and say, you could help and you're not. And so in those moments, as I had just prepared this, I said, Lord, I'm just going to rely on you. No matter what the outcome of this is, I'm going to rely on you. And that was so hard. It was so hard. And I guess you see, he did show up later and he'd been lost. He'd been wandering around because it was a really tricky area there in Richmond. And and he finally showed up and Jody was on the phone when the Jeep came down. And it was just like we were praising the Lord all over the place. But it doesn't always turn out like that. I mean, you find out what's really important. We went to eat at Cracker Barrel that night and our family was sitting around the table. And we said at the end of the day, this is really all that matters. You know what I'm saying? We just attach so much stuff. That really don't matter. But in the middle of those times. When you want to run away from God. Everything humanly in you. Wants to run away from him. It's important for us. To draw close to him. And he goes on. Jesus says. He, he goes on to tell us. How to have this healthy. Fruit bearing branch. He says. Simply this. Abide in me. And I will abide in you. That's a direct message from Jesus to you and I. He says, a branch cannot bear fruit if it's disconnected from the vine. And neither will you if you're not connected to me. I am the vine and you are the branches. And he says, if you abide in me, I will abide in you and you will bear great fruit. And that fruit will say to the world, there is a God. And this is the power of restoration. And this is the power of the abundant life. See, Jesus brings it all down. I love this. Jesus brings it all down, and he really makes it easy for us to understand. He says the secret of bearing fruit Is just simply staying connected, staying fused, staying intimate with him. Abiding is what it's called. Remaining in him. It's like we are in his presence and his presence is in us. We are in his presence and his presence is in us. And we abide in that presence continually. He gave us he didn't he didn't just tell us to be this without giving us an example he gave us an example of himself and see that's why all we need to do is look at jesus because in the turmoil of his life and we know he went through turmoil in his life he was fused and connected and intimate with his father god was the soil in which he remained planted he did not leave he did not uproot He was always living in his presence. He was always turning to God. You remember what Jesus would do? He would withdraw so that he could have some quiet time. How many times do we do that? But that's what connects us. that silence. And a lot of times we don't do that because we don't want to hear what we might hear. But it's in those moments, in that presence, that we're connected to him. Jesus turned to him for guidance. He said, Father, what do I do? He pled with His Father. He said, Father, take this cup away from me. He was in an intimate relationship with Him. And that's what He says for us to be with Him through the power of His Holy Spirit. See, constantly being aware of His presence everywhere, every day. Do you practice that? I'm telling you, it does not come natural for us. It is not something when you're in the heat of doing the children or at work or in the traffic, it is not a natural thing for us to practice his presence. We have to practice it. We have to make ourselves intentionally aware of his presence. And when we have that branch fused and connected and intimate with him, then lush fruit begins to form. Restoration from our past There's a joy that can't be explained with human words. There's a love, and you do know that none of us can love except for love flowing through us, right? It's impossible humanly for us to love because in our culture we're we're bombarded that sex is love or uh, feelings are love. That's not love. True love is God flowing through us. His presence in us. And practicing his presence in us. Oh, you know, the world is, is uh, doing a lot of good things. You know, people are, uh, uh, are good people. But it really only produces artificial fruit. You know, I could pass these grapes around and say, go ahead, take one. You can eat it. You'd probably pass it on. Because you know it would be nasty. See, humanly, we cannot conjure up what only the Spirit can produce. We can't work real hard, rely on our willpower, and think that we're going to produce anything other than artificial fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the vine, is only produced as we practice the presence, as we abide in Him and He abides in us. It's really, really very simple it's abiding. It's heeding his warnings because he loves us so much. We've got to pay attention to his warning. We've got to become aware of ourselves. What kind of vine, what kind of branch am I? And we have to be gut-wrenchingly honest to evaluate that and allow him to show us. This mystical experience so many people miss. But it's an experience. It's not something that we just talk about. It's experiencing. And and you know what? It spans all generations. It spans all time. It spans all intellectual abilities. It's really simply practicing abiding. Being in his presence and his presence in us. So Jesus brings it all the way down to something very, very beautiful and with simplicity connection with him and friendship friendship he's our best friend friendship with Jesus and you know what happens it produces fruit you know it's just simply that simple a connection with him heeding his warning and developing a friendship a friendship with him no matter what circumstances you're in, a branch connected to the vine gives you steadiness under stress. Every single one of us deal with stress every day. Uh, here's some good news that's not going to go away. Your stress will not go away. What you need is steadiness under stress. You need that one thing to hold on to. My brother told me about a cruise. You guys are going on a cruise soon. He had a bad experience on a cruise. They were out in the Gulf uh, and had to head back to New Orleans or New Orleans because of a a bad weather. And that ship tipped. And he said literally everything. He said he heard everything breaking and, and literally he was hanging on to one thing that gave him stability in the middle of that storm. You know, years ago, Buddy and I and our family, it was if if this, the, the uh, rug had just been ripped out from under us. Everything that we had known, everything that we thought, all of the future plans that we had just completely changed. Everything. But you know, there was that one thing that we held on to, and that was Jesus. Steadiness. Under stress. You know, there's probably stuff like that in your life right now. Difficult relationships. You don't know which way to turn. There's confusion. There's doubt. You feel like you've been uprooted. Nothing's making sense to you. You need one thing to steady you under stress. See, we were created for joy. We were created for a friendship. We were created for love. We were created to produce fruit, lush fruit, like you just tasted. Abiding. We got to remember God is not far off, He's available to us 24 7, 365. He's, his presence is with you wherever you go. You cannot go out of his presence. It's just a matter of each one of us being aware of his presence because you know that, what that will do? Every day it will keep you from touching that evil thing or making that choice that's going to bring destruction to you. You'll be aware when you know that Jesus is there. You know, somebody recently, last week, said they went to a Nats game. And uh, I I was writing this and I was inspired. I thought, what would it be like if Jesus were right here and I could touch him and see him and feel him? And he went to a Nats game with us. You know, what what do you think he'd do? You think he'd sit there in the background like, no, he'd be laughing. He'd be cheering. He'd be high-fiving, probably for both the Dodgers and the Nats. Uh, You know, he'd probably be back in the background sometimes and just kind of silent and watching. But he'd probably be having a blast with everybody. Probably wouldn't be drunk. No, I'm sure he wouldn't be drunk. Uh, You think he'd be wearing jeans? (laughs) One of my favorite books that really made me picture Jesus was called Jesus in Blue Jeans. He probably would have been patient in the traffic. I mean, don't you think? But I I bet you also that he would be the person that everybody would want to be with. Why? Because he tells the most clever jokes. Cuz he tells the best stories. And he's got this magnetism, kind of this mystical. Do you ever know someone like that? Picture Jesus like that. Every day. Everywhere. The best friend that you could ever have. You know, I look back over my life, and you know the one thing since I was a child, since I can remember, the one thing through all the turmoil and all the stuff in my life, the one thing that has been my stability, Jesus. And becoming aware of his presence. His presence is here right now. And his presence lives in us right now. Imagine if we could abide with him like that every day of our life. It's possible. You know what would happen? Life change would begin to happen. You would be amazed at what he would do inside of you. Easy? No. Pruning hurts. It hurts. But to learn how to practice his presence and to stay with him, even when things look dark and horrible... It's simple, and every single one of us can do that. And this is Jesus' message to us when he tells us, I am the vine.
0: If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free next-step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540 540- 540 786 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at